0: what's going on everybody and thank you for joining us back here on the boot sports network for yet another episode of boots where we are all warmed up stretched and we are ready to outkick louisiana sports coverage with you for all you first timers again like to welcome you to our brand new program i am david storm pa announcer game day host for your
1: new orleans
0: saints and joining me as always the co-host with the most
1: i am donald dunn your favorite super fan turned super commenter i give you the occasional line and a one-liner
0: all right so we have a lot to talk about today uh i don't know when you're watching when you're listening but we are taping on tuesday tuesday august 29th the significance of that No, not the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, though it is not the anniversary of Hurricane Ida, though it is not the anniversary of soon to be Hurricane Idalia, which we'll probably talk about later, even though it's not technically directly impacting us today was final cut day.
2: Yes, for the the New Orleans Saints,
0: the NFL, all teams had to drop to their 53 person game uh, regular season game day roster by 3 p.m. today. That was just a couple of hours prior to us sitting down. So we are going to get into that in just a little bit. But now the preseason's over. Let's real quick take a look at the last preseason game. And this uh, doesn't have to be a long one. It was the final preseason game of the year. So it was expected. Not a lot of starters. Yeah. They didn't get dressed for this one. Uh, the game, though. Yes. It started unlike any other preseason game the Saints had this year. No penalty on the opening kickoff. To that point, Donald, no Saints penalties at all in the first quarter.
1: I think that's a sign that the Saints are going all the way this year. So go ahead and lock it in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The game itself only had seven penalties total from both teams, only two committed by the Saints for 15 yards. We're going to talk more about that later because I'm curious to see what your take on that is. Jameis would start for the Saints, would not play long. The Texans would, they'd come out, they'd score first. Finding pay dirt on a three-yard connection from C.J. Stroud to Collins a few drives later, Jameis would find a returning Jimmy Graham for a very similar three-yard touchdown to tie the game early in the second. Hayner would then relieve Jameis for the rest of the game. As expected, not explosive, not exciting, not high-scoring game. Lots of playing time for folks fighting for those last few roster spots. The Saints would only have... That one Jimmy Graham touchdown. The rest of the points came by way of two Blake Groupie field goals, one from 38, the other a preseason long of 50. Then his perfect preseason streak sadly would end Mm. when Coach Dennis Allen went, you know what, kid, let's give it a go and put him in to try a 60-yarder. He had the leg, hooked it wide, right. Right. Uh, That came later in the game, and we'll talk more about the kicking situation as well. As there has been in every other preseason game this season, the game would end for the Saints on a final drive turnover. Sadly, this time they were committing instead of benefiting mm. from the turnovers. Hayner would throw interceptions on back-to-back drives, trying to make something happen. Admirable, but you can't do that during the regular no, season. No, no, no the last of which happened with 55 seconds left to play. Hayner was picked off by Dantzler on a fourth and four. Texans would come out in the victory formation to hang our first preseason L, 17 to 13. Now with our look back at that game in our rearview mirror, all of preseason in our rearview mirror, it's time for our extra points.
1: And let me tell you, this game for the Saints, I really feel like they had it all the way down to the end, every opportunity to win it and complete the Saints' first undefeated preseason, which would have been just an excellent capping off to you know maybe rewriting this Dylan, Dennis Allen story and giving them a chance to you know become uh, a fresh look after last year's struggles here and there. But, you know, overall, it was competitive, but that isn't quite what was the biggest takeaway from the game.
0: You know, you brought it up, and it's a funny point that um, – it's not a funny point. It's a point, but it, every once in a while you put yourself – the teams put themselves in positions to um, talk about, break, pull out, look up awkward stats. Yeah, The Saints who finished their preseason two and one are the only team in the NFL, look it up, Google it, the only team in the NFL to never have an undefeated preseason. Now, last week we talked about the Saints are in preseason. Yep. And I said, I personally kind of fell into that groove in the Sean Payton era where, I was comfortable if they tanked preseason because the worse they did in preseason, typically the better they do in the regular season. Well, it's not the Sean Payton era anymore. It's the Dennis Allen era, two and one, not undefeated, but how important do you think that stat is? You know, when you
1: look at winning preseason games, a lot of the times you're not using a complete team in its uh, entirety. You know, you have starters sitting, you have injured players resting where they wouldn't rest in the regular season season. So what I think sometimes a preseason win means that you were able to use coaching to its highest level because the players may not have been at their highest level. So Dennis Allen going 2-1 this season, I don't think that he really lost anything. I don't feel like any of his coaching staff lost anything. They put themselves in a position to win every game, and that's what you want to see the Saints doing. Regardless of who's on the field and regardless of when it is, as long as they're putting themselves in a position to win – They're ultimately getting right there where the strategy is supposed to be at. So ultimately, while it would have been nice to see the Saints maybe run away with a game or two, it might have been nice to see the Saints, you know, uh, even win that last one and go undefeated. I don't think it shows that they have any major hindrances with the staff, and I think they'll be able to set themselves up nice for the regular season.
0: So you made a great point that I want to echo. The preseason is kind of like its own season. Absolutely. Things are done very differently You are, um, you're not held to the same standards and expectations you are in the regular season. You're not playing with all the same players, but just because the Saints are playing with their twos and threes, so are the other teams. So you really are looking at coaching. Yeah. And I think that coming off of last season, Dennis Allen finishing where they finished, there were a lot of Saints fans that wanted to see and evaluate, I guess, Mm -hmm. from a fan's perspective, his ability to coach. He has shown against two playoff teams, yeah. Whether it's one v one, two v two, three v three, that his teams can do what it needs, what needs to do to get the the job done. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we fell into some things in this last game as players. You never want to lose, of course. No matter if it's a, a preseason exhibition game, whether it's the Super Bowl, a regular season game, it, it, whether you're three and ten, and you know the rest of your games have really no bias for anything other than the draft. Players don't play to lose, typically. typically. They just they just don't. Um, so you're going to have players who, Jake Hayner, yes. rookie quarterback, welcome to the league, wanted to go out there in that last game and wanted to electrify the fans in the stadium. That was his swan song, and and I don't blame him for trying to make something yeah. happen you're going to make rookie mistakes that's how you learn exactly whether you're a quarterback in the NFL whether you're a broadcaster here in a sports show you get better by making mistakes and learning from your mistakes and if you're going to make those mistakes make them when they don't count
1: exactly make them in the preseason take your time to just take those shots
0: and and to the point and we'll talk about the penalties again in just a second mm-hmm. um coaching if the the lack of penalties in this game were due to coaching. And that's the point I'm going to bring up in just a second. Kudos to Dennis Allen. Yeah. He went from double digit penalties eight in the first half, the the week prior to two in the whole game with your, without your starters, with your least disciplined players. That says something. I'd agree. I I think fully, I think. (laughs) And again, I'll bring up the point why I say, I think it'll make sense in a second. Last week, we talked about Jimmy Graham, his medical episode. Well, this week, he's dressed out, playing, scores the yep. only Saints touchdown in tribute. His first touchdown is a return Saint, in homage to his earlier career. He fakes a Graham slam after the touchdown, goes up to it, ah, nope, and throws it. Um, and I will tell you, as the PA announcer, I pointed out that reference later on in the Dome. That was the, uh, oh, no. the window world pivotal pass of the game. And uh, fans remembered Yes. When you said, "Oh, homage to the Gram Slam, Jimmy," we remember. Welcome back, uh, and the fans—they—they ah! they got into it.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh,
0: so it was awesome. But he's tight end. He was one of seven tight ends that the Saints had on their preseason roster. We know now because the the rosters have the final rosters have come out. You're keeping Taysom Hill, who's a yeah. tight end. Sure, tight end. he is. Uh, Juwan Johnson, Foster Moreau. Everybody's forgotten about Foster Moreau yep. because Foster Moreau was brought in from Vegas, signed to a three-year deal deal in the offseason, And then when he went through the saints um, physicals, yeah. they found out that he had Hodgkin's lymphoma. So he went into cancer treatment. Since then he has announced he is in full remission. He's ready to play. I cannot find anywhere that he is on any kind of injured reserve list, yep. that he is on any kind of physically unable to perform list, which says to me, Foster Morrow could be ready to go day one. One, He is on the roster. That is going to be a big deal. So, Jimmy Graham did that. He's on the roster as well. Of course. He made it. Yeah. Did that touchdown in that game earn him his roster spot? You know,
1: I think he's there for a couple reasons. I think he's there as a veteran of the league. You have to have a certain amount of guys on a team to be able to command some of the younger players, to be able to show them the way and sort of lead them in a way that creates championship effects. And Jimmy's a player who's led the Saints to many victories, deep playoff runs, things of the sort. What he's going to do, I believe, besides acting as an active backup for Juwan and Foster primarily and then Taysom in his gadget role, tight end.
0: Tight end? No, he's a tight end. He's a tight end. He's a tight end. He's a tight
1: end. He's a other Fantasy football. Taysom he's Hill is a tight end. That's right. So, you know, Jimmy's going to be there, and he's going to provide a great leadership role. I think you're going to see Jimmy on a few plays. You're going to see Jimmy maybe get a touchdown or two this season. You know, hopefully not, but if we see Juwan or Foster go down, he'll probably get a quarter of the snaps. You know, he'll go out there and play the role as the Saints backup tight end. But I think he already had the spot when he signed, honestly. I don't know if based off what – I thought was going to be the case whenever I saw these roster cuts come out today. I thought he would be one of the first ones out. You know, a thank you, Jimmy. We appreciated having you, but... He seemed to have the spot locked up. I don't know if there was any a question of his performance. I thought maybe whenever you were playing him longer in game two, he got deep in the game. That sort of gave me a red flag. Of, okay, maybe this is just sort of a thank you, Jimmy, You know, reti- uh, sort of retirement tour and things like that. Season game three there. But, you know, we'll see what happens with Jimmy. I think he has a
0: chance to maybe put some contribution forward when he's needed, when his number's called. So i I think that Jimmy Graham was a lock from the beginning. I think if Jimmy Graham didn't play a snap in preseason, he was going to show up on the Saints regular season roster. And I say that because you don't go out and make a deal and spend money, especially when you're in the financial position that the Saints are in. You don't go out and make a deal for somebody like a Jimmy Graham to not use him. yeah. Unless he just really threw away the preseason. Um, and he didn't. He did not at all. I mean, he did have that little medical hiccup week yeah. two, but that's a medical hiccup. He's over it. Looked great. Yeah. Looked great this past Sunday night. Couldn't Um, tell a
1: difference in week one, week three.
0: I'm excited to have him back. The Saints deep in tight end. Yes. Outside of that whole Taysom Hill thing. You've got Foster Moreau. As I mentioned, Juwan Johnson is a threat at tight end. And now you've got uh, Jimmy Graham back in the spot. The Saints oftentimes like to do uh, two tight end looks in their bigger packages. They're interchangeable. Yeah, I mean Taysom and Foster, Foster and Juwan, Taysom and Juwan, Jimmy and Juwan. Yeah, and if Jimmy gets back to his um, pre Saints form, yes, when people would debate whether he was tight end or wide receiver, that. That could be a very interesting wrinkle that other opposing defenses are going to have to consider.
1: Oh, absolutely. I don't think he's the only one on the team like that. You're going to see Jawan in a lot of that situation, too, the way how he's been interacting with Derek Carr this preseason. The man's absolutely catching receiver routes out of the tight end position, which is going to be great whenever you know you have to stick him against a linebacker and you get to see him really break away and show his speed and talent. You know He really played more as a wide receiver back at Oregon, so seeing him now transition this tight end role permanently in the NFL, he has a unique set of skills that not every tight end can do, and I think that's going to give him a great opportunity as he goes throughout the season.
0: Still has the basketball size, the basketball ups. He's going to be fun to watch, I think. Yep. All right, we're going to talk penalties now. I've been teasing uh-huh. about it. Saints only committed two penalties for 15 yards last week. A drastic turnaround from the week prior. Uh, They committed 14 penalties, 141 yards in week two. Nine penalties, 81 yards in week one. Has Dennis Allen, do you think that the Saints' performance penalty-wise is because he has addressed that penalty issue with the team to such a point that he has finally gotten the team disciplined? Or... Do you think it has something to do with the officiating, the officiating crew? You had Cleet Blakeman in there, different crew. Or do you think that it was because it was the last preseason game and the refs kind of laid back, knowing the game didn't really have much meaning, to give the coaches an opportunity to see the players play? Well, I don't know
1: if this was translated into the dome for y'all, but... um they did practice having an official down in the fourth quarter. So they were actually using sort of some different strategies, moving some officials around. That was being done throughout the fourth quarter, so that's why you maybe saw a few different people basically acting as the referee instead of the umpire, things of the sort. So I think besides them practicing their job as the referee, umpires, things of the sort, I think, honestly, it's more like what you were saying. They they let the players play for the sake of seeing the talent that needed to be evaluated. Particularly a team like Houston, you know, they had a lot that was on the line for those players. A team in total rebuilding. Every spot is up for grabs as they were, you know, echoing on their channels and things of the sort. The Saints, it was a little bit more solid, I would say. But, you know, I think the NFL acknowledges that cut day coming up. It's that last preseason game. We're not on the four preseason game format like we used to be for so many years where you had the opportunity to really let a guy go out there and show his talents. It's really quick now. If you miss a game... That may have been your shot. So, giving them more time to just play the game, great opportunity. I think the refs did it right this
0: game. So, I'm going to pull back the curtain just a little bit uh, on a couple of things. First and foremost, I'm going to say that the last preseason game of the season is not just the last preseason game for the players. It is the last preseason game for everybody. Oh, yeah. Uh, Us, as game day personnel. It is uh, the last preseason game for us. We did some things where we tried some new things out up in the booth yeah. that fans probably, if I didn't tell you, you wouldn't know. And I'm not going to tell you what they are because respect to my team and my crew, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But they're things that we had to do, that, that we had to prepare for. So we practiced making some changes in our own booth and did some things. Um, and you talked about the referee and the umpire situation, them working out some new things for what happens if a ref goes down or what have you. So I think when you take people and you put them in a position that they're not used to being in, they're going to be so hyper-focused on doing the job that sometimes the nerves of doing the job are going to get in the way. Yeah. So I do think that there probably was a little element of that in the amount of penalties that were or were not called. I mean, I could tell you as a fan in the Dome, I was like, how'd they miss that? Yeah. Oh, that was mm. it. how they let that go. But I will also say this. I have a, another connection who is very close uh, to Dennis Allen. I don't get a chance to get to fraternize with, uh, with coaches or players or anything like yeah. that. And I will not ever reveal who my source is live on air uh, because I respect them. Um, but I was talking with them earlier today and guaranteed there was a whole lot of time spent on discipline and uh, trying yeah. to um, to curtail those penalties. Because like we said last week, you can't win Saints football. You can't win pro football having 14 penalties for 150 yards. It's no. just not doable. So, um, so to answer my own question, I think it's 50-50. I think you had a, a lot of stuff that was let go for the sake of it being the last preseason oh, yeah. game, whether it fell through the cracks, uh, whether it fell through because of officiating, the officials making cognitive choices to let things go, give the coaches a look. But I also know that was a point hammered home by Dennis Allen. Oh, I believe After it. last
1: week.
0: 100%. Um, all right. Moving on to another one of our favorite topics in preseason, the kicking battle. Ooh. So we had been talking about it, and uh, I... Were we surprised? I don't know that we were surprised when the news came out. Um, Fletcher Mackel was stirring the pot back on the 25th when he posted uh, that whole observation between um, Will Lutz and and Blake Groupie. Lutz went five for seven. Groupie went seven for seven in this one particular practice that he was talking about, included a 59-yarder. In-game, they let Groupie try from 60. uh, and, And again, talking to my source earlier today, um, my source said, you know, it's one of those situations that you're only going to see in the most extreme of circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Kicking a 60-yard field goal. And third preseason game is kind of one of those things, hey, we got a shot. You want to see what it's like? Yeah. a stab at it. Um, Were you surprised that the Saints elected to go with Blake Groupie over the veteran Will Lutz? We both said last week, yeah. will. And and here we are now, and Will Lutz has now been traded to Denver over to Sean Payton. Traded at this time. Traded. Uh, there's uh, From from what I have seen in, in recent reports, there's talks about us getting a seventh rounder in the next draft, but I don't know that that has been confirmed, so don't quote me on it. Um, and at the time of this recording, I don't know that there has been a definitive trade compensation announced. Yeah. But either way, Lutz is going to Denver. Yeah,
1: we've got Saints Saints already had the thank you, Will. You know they've they've made it clear. Oh yeah.
0: So were you surprised by that? It was.
1: It was honestly surprising. You know, Will Lutz has been with the team as he said in his goodbye post. You know, good on him for doing it. We're not going to mention the other guy who never did one, but you know, we'll get to that (laughs) later in the year. Um, You know, Will has always been solid for the Saints. He wasn't necessarily the best kicker in the league. I wouldn't have given him an award many of the years that he was here, but he was top 10, top 15. He did his job well. And when you let a guy who's like that consistently top 10, top 15, go for what we presume to be a seventh-round pick, you kind of raise an eyebrow. But Blake grouping. he's earned some hearts, and I think he's about to now have to earn the respect of a lot of Saints fans here because he is... Really shown that he has the leg, he has the potential. He boomed it out the back of the end zone on that uh sixty yard kick, so he clearly can go from much deeper. He'll have to work on his accuracy with time. Being a rookie, you know that could improve quite a bit. But you know, I'm I'm here for it. You know, I'm not going to say that it was expected, but I'm here for
0: it. So I I got a chance to read some stats, and sadly, I, I absentmindedly did not put them in my notes. Two years back was when Will Lutz sat out for injury. Yeah. That's when he, he injured that groin early in the season, wasn't around. He had um, not the best season last year. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad season yeah. by any stretch. He was about 75% in his field goals, had a couple of extra points missed. But statistically, it was actually his worst season. Yeah, He has been a, I, I, uh, I wanted to say prolific. I, it might be too early to say that, but he has been a stud. Absolutely. As a kicker. Yeah. He has been for the Saints.
1: Never had a hot seat. We no, can say it like that.
0: No, he didn't. He really, really didn't. And when when he was injured, everybody was clamoring for his return. Couldn't wait for him to come back. And he came back and everybody was super excited and over the moon. And I, I, I'm surprised. Um, But, again, going back to my, my unnamed source. Yeah. Blake Groupie has apparently been outshining will Lutz in practice more so than the fans are aware myself more so than people are aware of. Yeah. He, he is in, in kickoff practices in the games, he's kicking the ball deeper. He's younger. He's got a leg. And I'm going to tell you in the past couple of weeks, I think that he has endeared himself to the saints faithful in a very Rudy, Rudy kind of way. And there's a lot of parallels, which are fun. Him coming from Notre Dame, being the little guy. Um, but he's wiry. He's, oh, yes. He's, he's got a leg on him. Um, the Saints fans will always love Will Lutz. And if something happens and he finds himself like so many others have oh, yeah. and he makes his way back here, I, I don't think people will be disappointed with that at all. And I, I hope that if that happens, that there are no hard feelings. No, we I wish Will imagine. the best where he is. I hope to see him down the road. Yeah. In the Super Bowl. Um, I don't because we're not going to see Denver, that's otherwise. right. This season, yeah. So. Uh, so that would be great. I'd be fine with that. Oh, yeah, if we get there, you know. Hey, I'm not mad at that at all. Um, but oh God, wouldn't that be a story? Ooh, Sean uh, Dennis Payton, Allen, Dennis Sean Payton, Allen. Super Bowl, man, man, game winning kick, word. write that, write that. <laughs> oh, oh, whoa,
1: whoa, that's just rude, man. I had to set it up.
0: Um, I tell you what, if if the NFL is scripted, there's your story. There's a story. Write it down. Um, I am excited for Blake Groupie. I like him. Yeah. I have been impressed by what he has done. I will miss Will Lutz, but I welcome Blake Groupie with open arms. Welcome to the nation. Um, let's let's yeah put boots to balls. There we go. <laughs> I, I'm excited. For Shameless it. plug. Shameless plug. Indeed. All right. So as I mentioned. Today is Tuesday. Today was the day Saints cut down their final roster. Just hours before we sat down to tape, here are some other recognizable, notable names that got waived. Wide receiver, kick returner, Lynn Bowden Jr. got a lot of action in the preseason. Uh, I think he did well. Sadly, did not do well enough to get himself a roster spot here. I don't think he's going to have a problem finding work somewhere else. Of course, Shaq Davis. There was a lot of a lot of hope for Shaq Davis. Sadly, he did not make it. Punter Blake Gillikin. This was my. This was the thing that surprised yeah. me the most. Yeah. That jaw on the floor today. And, and you know, it's the same thing about punters and kickers. Uh, you don't understand the value of one till you need one. Yeah. And Blake Gillikin was another player for the Saints who nobody went. Nah, we need to no. let him go. Like he. I, And and this is not a player that I talked with my source about. Yeah, Um, I don't think that uh, this this shocked me when I saw it. I was a casual observer. Nick Underhill, who you know, he took a couple punts in the preseason, did a fine job. I didn't think, as a fan, as a one hundred percent fan, not anybody from within the the organization, I didn't, I didn't think that he had done enough. Win the job outright to
1: unseat a starter.
0: I I really honestly didn't think, and maybe it's a business thing. Yeah, yeah. I, there's a lot about what happens behind the scenes that I don't know, that I don't want to know. The I magic of the Saints cap is know.
1: always brewing up a
0: storm. I I I put trust in in the coaching staff yeah. and the back office staff to do what needs to be done to give us the best possible team. And if they say Nick Underhill is the guy, Nick Underhill is the guy. Blake, we loved you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Still love short you. Short run. Short run. Wish you all the best. Um,
1: he'll he'll get a job in the league. He's more than qualified.
0: Absolutely. Tight end Lucas Kroll. Not surprised by that. Yeah, no. That um, um, I, practice
1: squad? Maybe. I w-
0: maybe. But again, he was one of the seven tight ends.
1: Absolutely loaded at that he, position.
0: He tried last week to make up for the mistakes he made in week two against the Chargers. Didn't happen. There he had some opportunities there and I, I think he knows it. I think he wishes he had some of them back. It just didn't happen.
1: Yeah.
0: Ellis Merriweather, running back. We got a lot of running back depth. Yeah. Uh, and I liked Ellis Merriweather. I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up on the Saints practice squad. Yep. I think the Saints are gonna try to keep him around. Uh offensive lineman Calvin Throckmorton, who started a number of games for the Saints last season. Surprised to see him go. Safety Smoke Monday. I just like saying yeah. his name. Top ten name in the league, gone. It is, and uh, he, just, he just didn't get a chance to do enough. Yeah, I'd agree. You know? um, they also terminated the contracts of Bradley Roby, um, and I did get a chance mm. to chat with my, my source about that. Bradley Roby um, did not play as well as Elante Taylor. No. And not in practice, not in the games. Elante Taylor just outright won the spot. Good on him.
1: Now, terminating the contract, business decision.
0: Correct. I,
1: I, I don't think that that was... Uh, I would not have been upset if he was on our backup uh, list. But at the same time, you can't keep everybody as a backup because it's business and there's money to be moved around.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, fans will say, well, wait a minute, why didn't they try to trade him? They did that with Will Lutz and blah, 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 Again, business. We yeah. don't understand exactly all the workings that goes on behind the scenes. And anybody can be an armchair quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Um, and then, of course, we uh, we talked about Will Lutz. What do you think was the biggest surprise for you? Biggest surprise for me, it's not a name we mentioned yet, uh, John
1: Trey Kirkland. I thought looking at the wide receiver room, <laughs> you had the opportunity. Uh, you didn't see Trey this preseason at all. A lot of people raised an eyebrow at that. You have him uh, really taking his XFL time this spring and becoming one of the top five players in the league while he was healthy. He then translates that to a productive preseason for the Saints. He's out there, LSU guy, Louisiana guy. Usually those are types type that slip through the cracks on cut day, yet somehow he still made the list. I think he's headed to the practice squad, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on the active roster later this season.
0: You bring up a good point when you talk about didn't see him this season. Uh, and, and Kirkland, is, that is another surprising name, who yep. did not make the list. I do agree with you there. Also, some other people that you didn't see make the list, but you didn't hear people fussing about. Mike Thomas? Yeah. Mike Thomas went out there. Um, Foster Moreau. We talked about that earlier. You legit only saw Derek Carr for one drive in yep. three preseason games. Coach is doing what coaches got to do. Yeah, uh, ones were are buried figure this preseason. Yeah, I, I think that there are certain players in certain positions that you just know. Yeah, you're going to be there. Sit down. You don't yeah. hurt yourself. Um, and, and we'll we'll work through everything else, which is why it it kind of goes back to the coaching and the excitement that I have for this season coming. With as many people that sat down... Oh, yeah. ...that didn't do a lot of playing in the preseason, we still finished 2-1. and one. How far is this team going to go this season now that we've narrowed down the roster? Will the Saints make the playoffs? Will they win the NFC South? Will they win the NFC period... How far do they go?
1: I mean, ESPN came out 56.5% Saints to make the playoffs this season. I think right now that's an accurate prediction, more than likely. The Saints are expected to win the South. They're expected to win the division. That's what the experts are saying. That's what the math is saying. That's what the computers are telling you. Every aspect of football, the Saints should be better than they were last year at a bare minimum. What that translates to on the field As the season goes on, injuries come and go. I still think, no matter what, looking at it pre-week one, the Saints are the best team in the NFC South, and we should see them in January.
0: I agree wholeheartedly, and I think that ESPN is a little low on that number. Just a touch. I think we should be in the, the, I would say, probably 60 to 65 range. Very safe. I mean, divisional football is always tough, and they always – Want to play harder against your your in division rivals? Absolutely. Those games are usually always close. Um, Carolina has had some issues. Um, Tampa Bay is going through a very big rebuilding year. I mean, how do you replace a Tom Brady? It's just hard to do. With, um,
1: uh, <laughs> you replace him with Baker Mayfield, you know.
0: <laughs> uh, one does what one must, and yeah. you know there's there's a lot of love for Andy Dalton, who is mm-hmm. who is competing for the job out there in Carolina. And, um, and I know as a competitor that he is one who likes his revenge games. Yeah. And sometimes he, he'll show out for those. Assuming he gets snaps against the Saints in any of those, those, those games that we play. Um, and then you've got Atlanta and just... Yeah. I don't care. We're going to beat Atlanta. We're going to stop Obligatory, Atlanta. Obligatory. Obligatory. And that's, and that's just me as a fan talking. But I... How many games do the Saints win this season? Preseason's over. You've seen oh, it. You know oh, the team they're early, prediction. early predictions. Early predictions because everybody's doing it. It's the fetch thing to do. Fetch isn't going to stick. Stop trying to make it stick.
1: I'm not going to say more. Give me 10 and 7. I feel safe at 10 at 7. I do not feel like I would be out of bounds at 10 at 7. I'm
0: 11 and 6. You're 11 and 6. You're
1: I'm going 11 there. and 6. You're going there. I'm 11 and 6. you You're 11 and 6
0: you are going there i am 11 and 6 i do not think you win the division at 10. You don't. Even in the NFC in South, the I, division. Really, I really don't think you do. I Now, I say that. And I haven't studied the, our rival schedules, Yeah. So I don't really know what the, the strength of, of schedule is for them. But I, we would have to be, as a division, statistically awful for the next, like, for a, a consecutive year. Oh, yeah. Like, we were statistically awful as a division last season. We would have to be that statistically awful this season. And if you're that statistically awful this season, it means that four teams didn't do what it needs to do to rebuild. Yeah. I think we have definitely done what it needs to do to rebuild. Absolutely. We have a ton of veteran uh, experience and studs with star power um, on both sides of the ball. I'm excited for our new special teams look. Yep. Um, I, but I really feel like if you want to guarantee a division win – You can't do it at ten. You've got to do it at eleven. And I think the Saints can do that easy this year. That's fair. All right, we're going to step away in just a second. I think we've talked enough pro sports for a little bit. We're going to come back in just a second and talk. um, And we're going to talk college football. It is a big weekend for college football. One, but how would you like ten grand? Kind of, sort of, free and clear. Could happen. Family Promise of Saint Tammany Parish would like to give you. $10,000 for those of you not familiar with family promise. They're an organization that provides shelter, help and hope for families on the North shore and they cannot do it alone for only $25 from now to December 15th. You can buy tickets for their fourth annual family promise raffle starting November 1st. They'll draw for amazing daily prizes, which will include a pair of passes to the last saints home game of the season against the (laughs) dirty birds uh, and their good seats. Ask me how I know. You're mine, you're welcome. Uh, All daily winners will remain eligible for the $10,000 grand prize drawing on December 15th. The more raffle tickets you have, the better your odds, so get yours now at fpstp.org. That's F-P for family promise. S-T-P, St. Tammany Parish, fpstp.org. The Boot
1: Sports Network. As an early listener to the Boots to Balls podcast, you have the opportunity to shape our community. Follow us on social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube. Don't forget that one. And share your questions and comments at bootsportsnetwork.com. That's boot. SportsNetwork.com. We have a content uh, and a connect section up there. You can go in, submit your question. It's all done digitally. Your email will go directly to us and we'll be able to feature that question on next week's episode if we so choose it. So get yourself involved, give yourself an opportunity to contact with us, you know, have some questions out there. If you just want to say, Hey, I like the show, but do this differently. It's early on the show. And we'd like to hear from you, the audience, you have the opportunity to shape the community. And we want to hear from you. So head over to BootsportsNetwork.com
0: and let us know what you think. All right. So we've talked about pro sports. And now that all the teams have narrowed down to their regular season rosters, they get an extra week to prepare for their week one openers. Whatever shall we do this weekend?
1: Well, the LSU Fighting Tigers are playing.
0: Yeah, they are. They're not the only uh, ones, but I'm excited about this game more than any other.
1: Oh, as you should be. Top 10 matchup in the whole entire, uh, not only, you know, locally with us in the SEC, but across the country. That is, I believe, the premier game of the week, even though for some reason, college game, they felt so compelled being on a Saturday. They had to go with the Saturday game to head to Charlotte, North Carolina for the Duke Mayo kickoff classic. <laughs> Doesn't sound right. But Brian Kelly and his Tigers sound right at this time with the way how they've been preparing, and we've been covering them so far here on Boots to Balls. And let me tell you, it is uh, looking like they're putting together a team. He uh, came out this week and announced our 18 and 7, the two most distinguished numbers on the team, distinguished players every year. You know, we it, it came a little late, you know, according to LSU standards. We really didn't see it for quite a long time. But he ended up with Makai Wingo getting the number 18 there on the defensive line, and you ended up with a strange move, a controversial move, one that led many people to take to social media instantly upon its announcement. But you went with offensive lineman, left tackle Will Campbell, getting the number seven.
0: So I am – I think that's weird. I guess I'm kind of old-fashioned in the regard of – I grew up learning that in football – Different number ranges had different positions. Um, And and there was a reason for that. And since then, that has just kind of gone right out the window. Now, let's be clear. Gentlemen, gentlemen. Uh, uh, Oh, Producer producer Brett, Brett. breaking
3: news. I do have to, uh, because I have a hot take on this. I'm actually very happy uh, with that choice of an offensive tackle. And I'll tell you why. Because last year, Jaden Daniels got sacked 45 times. That is third in all of FBS football for the season. And the biggest thing that worried me going into this first week one of LSU was its offensive line because Jay Daniels has legs, but he's a quarterback. He should be throwing the ball. Uh, last year he had a lot of issues where with all of those sacks, third and all of FBS, he did not have a chance to throw the ball. Now we love that we have a quarterback and run. Dual stack quarterbacks are great, but it would be great for him to have a second to sit back and actually throw. And if Will Campbell is doing so well at offensive tackle that he's giving Jaden Daniels those opportunities, then I am very happy he got that number seven spot because that is what LSU needs. We need an elite offensive line to protect our elite quarterback.
0: All right, so that is actually a fair um, take.
3: Yes, and amazing commentary from producer
1: Brett. Just a moment, slow clap.
0: All right, so I, I, this is a great segue into something that I was I was going to try to work into. Yeah. Um, so this past weekend on Saturday, and bear with me while I tell a quick story, I was asked to um, be the, the host and MC for the Bayou Sports Collectible Show that happened at the Casting Center in Mandeville. It was a fantastic show. Shout out to Trey Ledbetter and, uh, and all the guys who put that on. And they also hosted a number of athletes. Um, Tommy White, Hayden Travinsky was there. Uh, Saints players, Pete Werner, Jamal Williams, former players, Ricky Williams were there. Rudy Rudiger, the real life Rudy, yeah. was there. A ton of, of celebrities that were out there. But one of the other celebrities that was there was um, was LSU all time great Jacob Hester. Yeah. Uh, one the, of the number 18. One of the original number 18s. And um, he actually, one of the other celebrities that was there uh, in, in a variety of capacities was Anthony Renato. Yep. And Anthony Renato hosts a show called The Up and In Show, and they did some segments on the uh, uh, during that show. And I'm going to give a quick shout out to those guys. I'm going to dispel a quick myth here in podcast communities. Uh, we're not so catty that we've got to to stomp everybody else down. Oh, yeah. Work together and support. There's a lot of great content. So once you finish up with us here on Boots the Balls, search for the Up and In Show with Anthony Renato. Now Anthony sat down with Jacob Hester and was nice enough to share this audio about the significance of naming Makai Wingo number 18.
4: Number 18, that was, was that your number all throughout college? Because yeah. I know that that's now a tradition, right? So yeah. they just named, uh, right, the number seven, yeah. number 18. Talk to me what that's like for you and what that means. Oh, it means everything to me. I mean, it's like the ultimate honor for me and my family. Like, the national championship obviously is going to always be the highest pecking order. But, like, an individual deal, more than, like, all sec or any of the all American stuff, like being a part of that tradition because a national championship quarterback, Matt mock chose me to wear that number. I'm like, I'm some like squirrely freshman. Like, I don't know what he saw in me, but I'm glad that he did. And then now being a part of that, man, it's a fraternity and we have like a group chat. Like, today, Makai Wingo gets named number 18. And one of the greatest joys is, like, adding him to the group chat. Hey, fellas, welcome, Makai, to the group. And we keep in touch. I mean, Mora, who was just going through something incredibly serious. Like, when he's going through that, it's kind of cool to see it play out on the chat. Like, anything we can do for you. Let us know. And, of course, Foster's like, the ultimate competitor. He's like, oh, I'm going to beat it. Like, it's fine. (laughs) Like, I'll do it. But just to be a part of that, it really means, like, everything. To not only me, but my family as well. I mean, you see, we got – The 18 logo is for my foundation. And so, uh, you know, using the other 18s to kind of give back to the community as well. No, it's it's something that is absolutely amazing. I think you've laid a great groundwork too. You know, even on the baseball side, Mikey Matz started yeah. that tradition shortly after that, um, and that's something really cool that I know LSU baseball fans love, and something that's just really cool from an alumni perspective too. Like you said, it is a fraternity, yeah. and it's really cool to see guys aspire to have that number, that kind of stuff too. So yeah, and look, it's not always going to go to necessarily the best player. Right. Like that's not what it means. Right. It means somebody that is the ultimate tiger on and off the field and one cool thing and by the way Mackay's an all-american so it can go to a really good player as yeah, well yeah, yeah but one of the cool things when benny logan who wore 18 was getting drafted the eagles came in and they were talking with jack marucci who yeah. you know you talk to the training guys kind of get an idea of who a guy is off the field and they were they got to the character portion they're like oh well he wore 18 we we'll don't have to even talk about that and Damn. like to me to hear a story like yeah. that is pretty cool because that means they trust you In any situation, on and off the field.
0: All right, so that was Jacob Hester sitting down with Anthony Renato on the Up and In show. That's going to be on this current episode. And Jacob Hester had a great take about the significance of number 18. And to producer Brett's point, it carries over into the number 7 as well. When you make tradition out of something like that, you tell me that I get to be number 18. I get to wear number 7. Well, there's a lot of people depending on me now. I can't. I can't fail the tradition. I can't let that down. So to producer Brett's point, absolutely. Um, giving a, an offensive lineman number seven. Well, now you got something to live up to. Oh yeah. You absolutely do being the uh, first
1: offensive lineman at number seven.
0: Correct. That's an even, it should put an even bigger chip on your shoulder. Yes. Um, so I think that that is going to be a huge thing, not only for him, but also for, for Mackay getting 18. Um, and, And the benefit therein, you know, when you're in a program like the LSU Fighting Tigers, oh, yeah, he was 18. Oh, well, that's all I need to know. Yeah. And that same tradition carries over now to the seven. Oh, he was seven. Yeah, that's it. Come Mm -hmm. on. Yep. All you've got to do is, is live up to the expectation.
1: Exactly. And, I mean, looking last season as a freshman, I think Will Campbell was absolutely one of the top five players on the team. You know, he had the injury scare a few uh, games into the year, and we kind of thought, okay, maybe we're not going to get him back. But you saw the difference when he did come back. The team was able to recover. Now, what LSU is going to have to do with that is they're no, they now have a target. Every defensive end knows, okay, that's my boy. You know, with the responsibility, with the accolade comes the target. Mm-hmm. And I trust him to carry that target because that's something you look at with Seven. In the sevens in the past that didn't have the best performance, you know, that target came and they got picked on. So I trust him. I trust his willpower. I think Brian Kelly made the right choice. Okay. Controversial, but the right choice.
0: Getting a seven, a, a being given yeah. a number like that, getting the seven, getting the 18 is like getting a championship belt. There's a sense of pride and accomplishment that goes on with it. There's a big old target that oh, goes huge on your back. Target. And people are going to come looking.
1: Yeah. And, you know, moving on from those who, you know, people are looking at, we're looking at the injury report because as we transition into the leaving of camp and getting ready for game week one, uh, the Tigers came out of camp relatively clean injury-wise, you know. We're, we're not going to delve deeply into the non-injury uh, inactives, which will be Mason Smith, the number one, obviously, that comes to everyone's mind. But, you know, his situation was unique I I'll go ahead and put myself on the record. I think the NCAA messed up on that. I think that was just a gross, you know, overreaction to something that we all knew was gonna be taking place.
0: I I agree with you there, and I feel like not only did the NCAA get it wrong, but now everybody that stands against Mason Smith, yeah is going to have to pay for those transgressions.
1: That's right.
0: Because I'm going to tell you that if I was Mason, it would make me
1: mad. Man's got to get his. He's going to get his no matter how many games it takes.
0: As it was, not getting a chance to play last season because of that injury. And now, all right. All right. I got
2: you. All right. Yep. Add to the
1: fire. I see you. But of those that are currently, thankfully... Thanks to Brian Kelly, we should mention giving an injury report. We're going to have a few players out this first game. Uh, right now, it seems as though you're going to have Ibieta, the wide receiver. He will officially been disclosed as out. So we will not see him over in Orlando. We also have Armani Goodwin, the running back. He uh, is listed as doubtful. And with our NFL background, I think we can both understand doubtful is about 25% chance at best. I'm not expecting him to see much action down there in Orlando. Uh, You also had – let me just make sure I get this name right. We're still learning names early in the season here. Uh, Josh Williams. Josh Williams. Okay.
2: Yep. Probable.
1: So, I'm going to say he goes early prediction. Overall, the Tigers came out clean. You didn't see any major line injuries. You didn't see any uh, on offense or defense, for that matter, all in the secondary clean. So, as far as the threat that we have coming up with – uh, Jordan Travis from Florida State and all that they have on offense, I
0: think we came out good. I think, as when you're talking about it from a health perspective, yeah. I think we'll be all right. Um, yeah, having not having Mason, not have, you know, missing out on a, a bunch of other notable players, it always hurts. Yeah. But um, LSU is deep enough, and Brian Kelly, I've based on what he did last season, yeah, and and some things that. I plan on bringing up later on yeah. uh, in the program. Uh, I think that they will be more than ready for Florida State.
1: Absolutely. Now you're going to be down two running backs potentially. Let's assume they both can't go. LSU's still very deep. I mean,
0: I hate to say it, and I know producer Brett don't like to hear it. Jaden Daniels.
3: Yeah. I, how many games was he the leading rusher last season? Yeah. I love Jaden Daniels. I want to go on record and say I don't know what you mean. about. No, I'm just saying that that
0: you think that he should be more of a throwing quarterback than a running quarterback.
3: Oh, no. I love his run. I just think that, sadly, a lot of his runs last year were having to do, especially if you look in games like FSU, due to the O-line just crumbling around him. And I'd like him to run because he wants to, not because he has to. Fair point. Fair
1: point. You know, I think Jaden Daniels is going to be on the hook to get about – 20% 20% of the team's rushing this year. As much as we might say that Jay, uh you know Jane's transition to a full-time passing quarterback he still has too good of legs. I mean, the man can take over in open space in a way that you don't see very often and not utilizing that talent it would be truly a waste. I mean, we've seen in recent years, you know, we go back all the way about 10, 12 years Cam Newton can get out there in open space and do damage. Then you get to Lamar Jackson, specialized and not only at the line but also out there in open space. Jaden Daniels, his running ability is sort of just that one extra piece that puts him in that Heisman contention that puts him in that top 5 quarterback contention where he can as a quarterback suffice top 5 in the SEC. But when he's picked, you know, all SEC number 1, it's because of those legs.
0: Yep, I agree. And that's and that's the only reason why I brought it up. You talked about being down two wide or two running backs in the first game. I think if you have to rely on the legs of Jaden Daniels, you do. Yeah. And I think that you will be just fine. And if the offensive line is successful enough to allow Jaden Daniels to get a substantial amount of rushing yards, that opens up the passing lanes tremendously. And you
1: want to talk about a stable LSU at wide receiver. You know, you got not only let's – be clear. Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas, Kyron Lacy. Established. They showed what they can do. They're in position going into senior and junior years to lead the team. But, I mean, you look at those young studs in the background. you got Chris Hilton. He'll be coming in. He'll be just absolutely torching the deep ball. Shelton Sampson, if he makes it on for a few plays here or there, you know, maybe in relief. And then uh, Aaron Anderson. He's also one to watch. If you're looking for a freshman to watch this year that might sneak onto the field, Aaron Anderson. He'll surprise you.
0: I love looking at the wide receiver core for LSU. Um, Kyron Lacy is a stud. Malik Neighbors, absolute stud. Malik Neighbors is only a junior. So we're going to get another year with him, hopefully. I I don't know. I think the NFL's calling. Well, they might. eh, Maybe. But we could get another. In the
1: NIL era, maybe it doesn't matter if the NFL's calling.
0: I, I hope he sticks around for another year. I'd like to see it too. I, I, I'd like to see it too. The dad in me says, Boy, get your degree just in case. Just you in never case. know. That's right. It just takes one bad hit. Get your degree. Um, but at wide receiver, we've got two freshmen, we've yeah. got a sophomore, two juniors, and then Kyron Lacey is a senior. We're stacked. Deep. We're stacked the deepest deep. it has been. For years. Since, at least two.
1: At least since 2013 with OBJ and. Jarvis Landry, the deepest this wide receiver core has been. I mean, I am hyped for this offense. It's I'm gonna not be mad about it. You know, if I I'm not gonna we never should put as LSU fans, we should just go ahead and put it out there. You should never compare any team to nineteen.
0: No, you can't. But you can't. It's not a fair comparison. Is
1: twenty three going to go into a league of its own? It should be. Ooh. Not necessarily, not necessarily nineteen, but a league of its own. So <laughs> to be remembered. Early prediction.
0: To- to be remembered, there have been some fantastic LSU teams to be remembered. The thing that sets 19 apart is just the way the stars aligned. How many teams did they have to play during the regular uh, yeah. season that met them in the top 10 or top five, yeah. for that matter? And they upset them all. Yeah. At, at every Blew them all at out every, at that. At every turn, every time they moved the goalpost against the LSU Tigers in 2019, they went, all All right. Right. Whatever. Never Whatever. trailed once in the fourth and, quarter. And you know what? Joe Burrow deserved every cigar he ever yes, smoked.
2: Yes,
1: that man
0: Absolutely been. did. Um, a team to be remembered? Yes. Brian Kelly needs, dare I say, deserves a national championship trophy in Baton Rouge.
1: Oh, I think so. I mean And
0: and this team might could be the one to do it.
1: The man is the activist, the active winningest coach in college football. At this point, you're going to
3: get some people that are going to go, yeah, but look at the teams that Notre Dame played. Cincinnati. I would actually like to say something on that. A lot of people. (laughs) Welcome back, producer Producer Brett. Brett. A lot of people challenge Brian Kelly on his record at Notre Dame. But as someone who has family who played at Notre Dame, I'm going to say this much. South Bend, Indiana is a horrid place to go. And in the age of NIL, et cetera, to recruit hot at take South, producer Brett to, to to recruit at South Bend is different from recruiting at LSU. And also, Notre Dame's academic standards are grossly larger than LSU's. So you got to be smart. And let's be honest here: a lot of football players don't have the greatest ac- academics because they're athletes, typically. And because of that, Brian Kelly who went to the playoff at least once, went to the natty, may not have won it at least once, was going there with players that were not in the top five versus other coaches like your Nick Sabans, like your Les Miles, whatever, who was going to these natties with some of the best players you could get. So he's BK. Have it your way to the LSU fans. I think we're going 12-0.
0: If you want to direct your hate mail to producer Brett, Brett. you can go to bootsportnetwork.com, bootsportsnetwork.com, and leave your comments, and we will uh, gladly address them and him in our next episode. That was a take. Um, He's uh, not necessarily 100% No, I mean, the thing You're not 100% right, but (laughs) you're not 100% wrong either. And that's the
1: beauty of producer Brett, everyone. I know we haven't introduced him in full. Welcome to producer Brett.
0: He's he's like Forrest Gump's box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get.
1: Man, I love football. (laughs) Well, one thing we don't love in uh, the South is weather, and particularly severe weather. Um, It's that time of year again. As we've mentioned, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, and we have not yet seen the impacts of now Hurricane Idelia. We want to preface this by saying these are predictions – and not advice, and not uh, commentary on the events that have taken place. But if we're going to give our prediction on the effects of sports alone, um, when a Category 3, a major hurricane, comes into a state, we've seen it here in Louisiana time and again, some things have to shut down to Mm -hmm. allow for the recovery to start.
0: It is mildly disruptive. Yeah. Almost like producer Brett. Mildly,
1: (laughs) to put it the least, at best. So, is LSU going to be impacted by the
0: storm? Do you think? Uh, okay, so no. And and here's why. You're talking about we're talking on Tuesday about a game that's going to happen Sunday in Orlando. And uh, being David Storm, where that name came from, I, if if this didn't work out for me, meteorology was going to be my thing and I was going to be a hurricane specialist. I love the science of hurricane prediction and formation and all that. So hurricane season, I am glued Same to the here. predictions yeah. and, and all the rest of that. I know that they're talking about the the strong possibility of the storm once it makes landfall, kicking back and coming around and, and maybe hitting the Florida Peninsula from the other side. Um, I'm not a meteorologist, so don't take this as a forecast because yes. it's not. But if the models I've seen hold true – when it kicks back around and it comes back maybe a little further south, you're not going to have quite the pronounced effects that they're dealing with maybe right now and in the next day or two. And the worst of those is going to be for further north, I yeah. think, um, where you're definitely going to get some outer bands in the Orlando, the Tampa Bay, the the up coastal areas. Um, and you're they're seeing that now on yeah. the radars even as we speak. But um, once that storm makes that landfall, they they look for that landfall kind of close to the bend, yeah. right, where the panhandle starts to dip into the peninsula. So the majority of the worst impacts are going to be far north of, of Orlando.
1: Orlando metro, yeah. So uh, Close and, to and that, Tallahassee, for that matter. That's where, you know, some things we have to consider. Is this going to impact
0: Florida State? Right. Well, it could impact Florida State potentially, but if they're going to all move... To Orlando and yeah. do so later in the week, I think we're going to be okay. Um, there was there was a thing that you had brought up earlier uh, that one of the other schools in that area, um, Central Florida, Central believe, Florida, yep, they have a game that's supposed to be Thursday, and they are in Orlando. If Hurricane Idalia were to disrupt in any way um, the Orlando their Metro. ability to play on Thursday, yeah, then you've got to look at what are your options. Do you postpone the game to another week? Do you see if, because Florida State and LSU are going to be there Sunday, will the field be available Saturday, or are they doing special things, painting the field? for? Yeah. The or, you know, Maybe that's just not an issue, not an an option. Do you talk to whoever Central Florida is playing and go, hey, what if we uh, make it a home game for you guys? Sucks for us, but all things We've considered. We've seen it here many times. Yeah, I, I think you've got options, and uh, I think that those options are going to leave – uh, the stadium in Orlando open for Florida state and for, uh, for LSU. I, unless something drastic and tragic happens, um, to, to Florida state, the university, the community. And while we hope LSU stomps you into the turf on the football on Sunday, we don't wish those things to any of you. Um, I think that that is a. I think that the game will go on. Yeah. If the Saints and the Chargers can play a preseason game in Los Angeles during uh, a tropical storm that caused major landslides and flooding and was a huge and disruptive impact, yeah. right? I, I I would find it very difficult to see Sunday's home opener. Uh, for LSU and Florida State be impacted.
1: And that's that's the best we can hope for, and we certainly hope it stays that way. You know, it would be a shame for all the different things that would need to go on to, you know, have that game be disrupted. So, you know, I don't think it would be right for us to fully speculate or to predict, but we hope that things go the best they can down there. Um, going back to the football field, though, real quick.
2: Yeah.
1: LSU is going up against a pretty – I'd say well-equipped Florida State offense, Jordan Travis, at quarterback. So you're seeing a full-on repeat of the quarterback battle last year, not to mention the fact that Florida State is also facing some of the same issues that LSU is. They're going to be without a defensive lineman due to suspension. Uh, The line is still with LSU as a favorite away from home in a neutral site, two and a half points right now. Is that where you think it should be?
0: No. Um, No, it is not at all where I think it should be. And I think there's going to be more of a spread. When we talked about, uh, and, and I was going to get into this probably a little bit later on. Yeah. Um, not a full prediction, just asking. do No, you, not, you a, th- not a full prediction. All right. I will reserve my prediction later. And I want, to, I want to give a shout out to one of our early listeners yes. who's been with us since pod one, Chris Levine. He was a longtime friend of mine. Uh, We legit go back to grade school together. Uh, One of my longest tenured friends. Uh, We went to school in New Orleans together, and then uh, we went to high school in New Orleans. I've known him since grade school, and since grade school, he always was uh, a Florida State Seminole. Yeah. And he got a chance to go live out his dream. He's a graduate of Florida State and will be a Knoll till he dies. So every time LSU and Florida State get together – we have a friendly little tete-a-tete. And uh, he didn't like some of the things that I said. Oh, in episode one? In episode one, where I was talking about Brian Kelly writing the wrongs. He's got wrongs to write. Yes, he does. Um, And here's why I think the spread is wrong. Brian Kelly is so focused on this. I don't think people realize how hard he has the team practicing. Here's what I mean. Again, going back to this past Saturday, I'm hosting an event where athletes are supposed to show up. Harold Perkins, Mason Smith, two of those actors or athletes rather, who are scheduled to show up. Card subject to change, no show. They don't know call no show. But the call we got was Coach Kelly extended practice, and the players weren't released. He has taken this game so seriously. The mistakes that were made against Florida State last year will not be made this year. Not if he can do anything about it. I am sorry. Two and a half points, not going to happen. You can be ranked number eight. You can be in the top ten. You can be the stud that Florida State is. You can win every other game this season. Florida State, you're going to lose by more than three. And that's
1: you know that's a hot take, but it's a fair take because you have to think about the implications should Brian Kelly go down there and lay an egg.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's already been called out for the out. second, for the straight, second year. straight year. If he were to go down there and truly just have the Tigers, let's say the Tigers wipe out, lose by 10, not a huge loss but still significant, shows that there was a dominant team on the other side, LSU would just absolutely sink down the polls. You might see us in the low teens maybe twenties because it shows that there was not the improvement that was predicted to this point that was uh, pontificated and shown on every prediction and model LSU needs to confirm that they are the hunter. They are not to be hunted, that they are going to go out there and secure themselves a spot. No matter what the means be, to get them back in the college football playoff because last year you had it at your fingertips and you once again saw a game that you were favored in that you had every chance to win down there at Texas A&M just fall right out your grasp. And if Brian Kelly allows this game to fall out of his grasp and not just Brian Kelly, the whole team for that matter, cause right. it's a, it's a whole team effort, but we're team sport. Someone has to be the head coach. Someone has to take the, the name calling the responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think LSU would lose a lot of prestige in the media, and would. that would cause them a long road to a playoff berth, even if it is a 10-2 and two or 11-1 and one season.
0: And they are all well aware of that. And Absolutely. And we'll see that
1: on Sunday. And with that, we move away for just a moment so we can uh, take a break here and thank... Tommy Talley and Echo Tango here for providing us with a wonderful space again to operate. We have the full setup here and we're able to provide the show to you just how many of you have liked it and asked for it. So we're so excited to be here in Echo Tango. We want to just thank Tommy Talley once again for providing us this space to record the show for you.
0: And we also want to give a shout out to our friend Jay Ducote right here. He's got this fancy new cookbook coming out and you want to get it especially for this weekend. From venison griots to coconut chili chocolate tarts, there's even way more in between. Uh, Last week, I was thumbing through there and saw a nice Mm -hmm. little recipe for char-grilled oysters. Uh, Jay Ducote's Louisiana Outdoor Cooking. It features more than 150 recipes, fun and easy enough to make right in your backyard or maybe tailgating. It also tells the remarkable story of how this Baton Rouge-based chef achieved national culinary celebrity. Fans of the reality cooking show Food Network star remember Jay as the runner-up in Season 11, a strong showing that led to appearances on Chopped, Cutthroat Kitchen, and many other programs, including an episode of Beat Bobby Flay, where he did, in fact, Beat,
1: Beat Bobby,
2: Bobby Flay. Flay.
0: So you can go to jaydacote.com for more information or to purchase Louisiana Outdoor Cooking, which is also available at Barnes and & Nobles and other fine retailers. While you guys are uh, looking that up on your phone and keeping the audio on, we're going to go around the boot in just a second. We have a
1: new segment to be this week. We're going to talk about sort of all the other small stories that get swept under the rug. You know, you're watching local news at night, and they're talking about the big news stories. They're talking about, you know, your local high school team. But where are those middle stories, you know? And I think we have a few of those this week that we want to bring to you to just give you that extra taste of Louisiana sports coverage.
0: For sure. Lots of folks wondering what's going on with Pelicans basketball. Pelicans basketball, not really the big basketball basketball forefront right now. They're in kind of the offseason. World Cup happening New Orleans Pelican Brandon Ingram, part of Team USA that are slaughtering, slaughtering opponents in the World Cup tournament. They beat New Zealand 97-72 in the opening round. Then they fried Greece. Food pun. 109-81. Their next action is against Jordan. As I mentioned, as we've mentioned many times, we record on Tuesday. That game is going to take place tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, Jordan has lost to both Greece and New Zealand in the tournament so far. So should be a relatively easy game for Team yeah, USA. Yeah, seems
1: like Team USA is going to uh, have a deep run in this tournament, which you always love to see, especially getting some more work for Brandon Ingram. But um, one thing to mention that's not Team USA, Team Lithuania. And, you know, why do we bring that up? Of course, Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, A current report came out this week where basically it seems as though Jonas is trying to stay long-term with the Pelicans. This is something that we weren't sure about necessarily because for quite a while, Jonas has been kind of in this discussion of, is this a player that's on the long-term plan? Is he short-term? Where does he stand with the Pelicans organization? Well, it seems like he and his agents are starting to you know speak out and say that, hey, I like what we have here. I like what we're doing. I want to stick around for longer. Which, you know, as much as we care about the actual impact of Jonas being on the team, take a moment and think about that. A athlete is trying to get a contract extension in New Orleans, is trying to become a part of this organization for the long term. This is something that Pelicans fans have had to beg for, dream of, for years and just to hear that in its own right says that you know even though the playoff success has not come yet Gail Benson and Dennis Lausch and all of those involved with the Pelicans are heading this team in the right direction
0: I said last week how much I loved uh, Jonas Valanciunas as a part of the team how important he was New Orleans from a, an NBA standpoint for the longest time has just been kind of a a a springboard or a landing spot for players like Anthony Davis and Chris Paul to come and do great things and then do greater things somewhere somewhere else. else. And uh, you know what? There is finally the mentality in new Orleans for winning basketball. Yes. Zion signed that big deal last season. He's I I think he's dedicated to making good on that. We talked about that already. (laughs) You've got Brandon Ingram. You've got uh, Herbert Jones. You've got so many outstanding athletes. And when you can put your best five, your absolute best five from the Pelican squad on the floor, they're going to be tough to beat. I I said I thought they were going to, if they stayed healthy, they were capable of winning 60-plus. I haven't changed my mind. No reason
1: to shake on it yet. No reason to shake on it at all. Um, another thing, we had a commenter, uh, we'll identify them as what they were, the Easter Bunny. The
0: Easter Bunny, the Easter Bunny 6-1. Out
1: uh, there on our YouTube channel, so hit, the, hit the button.
0: Shout out to the Easter Bunny, please make sure you're sharing our show with uh, Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy as well. LSU uh, Women's Basketball. Yeah, he said, uh, I, I don't know if it's he, um, but the Easter Bunny says we need to start talking about what's going on with LSU Women's Basketball, so this is for You! you. We apologize uh, with all the buzz. Obviously, we're a little football-focused. But uh, there is some history regarding LSU women's basketball. It was announced within the last week that for the first time ever, ever for the Chris Jericho fans, um, (laughs) the defending national champion Lady Tigers will be hosted by in-state, out-of-conference, Southeastern Lions. It's going to be at the newly named Pride Roofing Center, or as we Southeastern Lion alums remember it, the University Center out in old Hammond, America.
1: Yeah, Donald, it's going to hurt, though, ain't it? It will, just a little bit. Look, the Lady Tigers this year, I don't think I've seen a team like it, and it's partially due to the transfer portal. Angel Reese, Floje Johnson, Haley Van Lith, Anissa Morrow, and that's just the players who have already stepped on the court before. You have top ten recruits coming in on this team. It's stacked head to toe. And, you know, I love Southeastern. I've been on campus many times. Hammond's a nice city. It's going to be packed in the universities. Uh, what is it now? Pride Roofing the Pride Center? Pride Roofing Center. Let's make sure. Get it right, Donald. Shout out the sponsors. Yes. Um, Tigers winning by 60. Clean.
2: Right.
0: Ow.
1: Yeah, and, you know.
0: I I don't even know that I can fight that, sadly. I really don't. And and because of two words, Coach Mulkey.
1: Coach Mulkey's homecoming, Tickfall, Louisiana native. I mean. Going to play in Tangy.
0: For those of you who don't know, Google her. She's not known for losing.
1: No. And,
0: And she's, I think, I think realistically, you talk about LSU Lady Tiger basketball. It might be early to say we could be watching the beginning of the formation of the next great dynasty. And
1: I am so excited to see that. We'll be talking a lot about them this winter, and I am mm, pumped up for that. But- and
0: Southeastern fans, I will find time to say line up. I promise. As a matter of fact, we might do that soon, actually. Um do we have any other things to do around the boot? Well, it seems like we're done kicking it around the boot, but
1: we do need to kick it over to more college football because it didn't end and it started this week with the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs up in Ruston.
0: It did. We made predictions on that one. Um, before we get into that, I, I need I need to address something with you. Okay. We have to go back to something that was said in. Um, we have to go back to something that was said in last week's episode. Sixteen ten twenty seven seventeen. If you hit seventeen again, me and you are going to La Bears. That's right. And we're we're going put to the casino. We're buying, I'm letting you buy my Powerball tickets. I'm I'm gonna pick five different runs of numbers, and I'm putting seventeen Dang. for the Powerball on everyone. Donald, once again for the second straight week, uh, it was the Saints prediction. This um, you said that the Saints were going to win 27-17, which yeah. meant Houston was going to score seventeen, and Houston did score, score seventeen. 17. I'm a man of my word, Donald. Oh, well, you look at that. I got... <laughs> li- live on the show. Live on the show. Not only do I get my five Powerball runs, all of them with number 17 in the Powerball, but look at how many times 17 popped up in the quick pick numbers.
1: I think we've uh, found a theme on the show.
0: I'm saying. So, here's here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to look ahead in just a minute. And when we do, we've got a couple of games, uh, five different games, we're going to make predictions on. Yep. And I want you to give me one number from your score predictions. Ooh. And you are going to make up my run of five numbers with 17 as the Powerball. I'm going to go buy another ticket, and we're going to see how we do. And if it happens to win, if it happens to hit this $386 million annuity, $185 million cash jackpot, I'll split it with you, producer Brick. Doesn't get nothing. <laughs> and that's what, it,
1: that's what it shows to uh, you know be behind the camera.
2: <laughs>
0: All right, so kudos to you for that. That's impressive, two weeks in Hey, a row.
1: you know, I'm going to keep giving it to you every week, and uh, as long as it keeps hitting, hey, now, who knows.
0: Now, I will give you your props. Um, you were also right when you said LaTeX was going to win. I said they weren't. They made me eat a little crow. Give it
1: to me. You know, it looked like they weren't for the majority of the game. They were down, essentially, up until the last minute of the game. And, you know, I know not many were watching the game, if you were out there on CBS Sportsnet, or, hey, if you were at the game in Ruston at the Joe, kudos to you. It was a hot night out there. Um, Hank Bachmeyer, Boise State transfer, taking over for the Bulldogs this season. You talk about a quarterback that can throw. Man put up 333 yards and touchdown in this game. Was throwing it all over the field, but... We're going to keep this sort of a short synopsis. Louisiana Tech wins in a last-minute uh, run into the end zone. 30-yard about dash from one of their star players there. Puts the Bulldogs up 22-17. to 17. They go for two. They don't get it, but they end up holding FIU. The Louisiana Tech defense held the FIU quarterback to four passing yards. The whole game. Wow. Single-digit passing yards.
0: Unbelievable.
1: I think Coach is going to be treating his entire defense to a day at practice.
0: Correct. No, well, you should. And I, But I tell you what, on top of that, though, you can't just celebrate it. No, you got to. Now kick. that's the Correct. expectation. And. You've shown you can. You have to continue. That. You know, you also had one other player we got to
1: give some uh, kudos and love to. Smoke Harris. Uh, have you had the chance to take a look at Smoke
0: Harris yet? I have not.
1: I'm going to give you a flashback and a setup here. For those of you who are primarily LSU fans, which we know is the majority of the sports market in Louisiana, you recall Trendon Holiday, 5'5, yeah. world class speed. Yeah. Smoke hairs don't quite have world class speed, but the man eats yards. He is the love child of Trendon Holiday and Alvin Kamara. This man, 5'7, okay. 180 pounds of dense dense fella
0: low center gravity low
1: center gravity wide receiver and he is out there torching everybody on the field eating yards like it's left and right and we're gonna give you a prediction later on for the next week's uh la tech game but put some eyes on it while you're scrolling through the tv this weekend absolute lovely player y'all are gonna enjoy watching smoke Harris this season
0: I I feel bad that I picked against the Bulldogs I I feel worse um because I don't know that they have won me yet. It was a great game. It yeah. was a valiant effort. That's not the way they wanted no, to win.
1: No, you don't want to win,
0: a, they, a win coming is, back. A win is a win, and you want to win outright. Yeah. You don't want to come from behind. You'll take a come-from-behind win. But we'll have to see they've got SMU. Coming up this week, <sighs> we'll have to see. I, I hope. I hope Coach did celebrate the defense. I hope that celebration was short because there was a there's there going to be a lot, lot of, lot to of
1: work to do. A lot of work to do for that one. Um, so going into the rest of the college football week, man. Well, it, what, let's start there. Then, yeah, let's
0: start there. Let's start with La Tech and SMU. And here's here's why I say that I am concerned for La Tech this week. SMU's favored by twenty. Yeah. 20 free tuddies. That's that's just the line. Yeah. That's what they're favored by. SMU finished 4th in the AAC last season, 5 and 3 behind Cincinnati, UCF and Tulane. That's not there that was not an that's easy not division. An, yeah. an easy conference last year. So, I mean, it's tough for them. Um they lost the New Mexico Bowl to BYU by one point. Yeah. One point last season. They have a super explosive offense when they want to. In the games last season that they won, they posted scores of 41, 45, 40, 48, and 34 in a loss to TCU, 27 in a two-point loss to Cincinnati, 24 in a blowout loss to Tulane, who hung 59 on them, but then they turned around and dropped 77 on Houston, Whew. who they also let score 63.
1: Yeah. Defense optional.
0: Yowch. <sighs> But I'm saying and and it's this is a very similar team this year they're yeah. gonna they have the potential to put points on people if the defense doesn't show up, it's going to be a tough, tough day for la tech if you're if we're jumping into predictions I think we
1: might as well just you know we'll go down the line here, la Tech.
0: I I don't think you're going to win this one either. And I think I think you lose 56 to 23. I think it's going to be big. Whoo. I think it's going to be ugly and I I I'm will make you this promise. If you pull this one out and if you beat SMU, I will never for the rest of this season bet against you.
1: That is a big promise. Big promise. This um, one's going to be tough. Look, I'm not going to be that far behind here. I'm also not taking the dogs to win the game outright. However, I do think that having the week zero advantage is not a myth in college football. We've had it debated for several years now as the games are becoming a slight bit more prominent. If you get that extra week to go out there and iron out some of the kinks before the other team has ever hit the field with live helmets and live hits, um, it gives you a bit of an edge. I'm going to take the dogs to lose, but I'm going to give him a little bit more of a chance than you did. I'm going to have them losing 45 to 28.
0: 45-28.
1: 45-28. That's on I'm It's not, I'm that, much. It's not <laughs> that much of a difference, but they uh, but will cover. They will cover.
0: Okay. so I, I like that you think they'll cover. Uh, I, the defense needs to show up. We'll see what they do. Yeah. All right. We're going to move over a little bit. The Lions, southeastern Mississippi State. Southeastern went 9 and 4 last season. They went two rounds into the FCS playoffs, beat Idaho 45 to 42, lost to Samford 48-42. Those are some high-scoring mm-hmm. playoff games. Uh the Lions are reigning Southland Conference champs. Mississippi State finished third in the SEC West behind LSU and Alabama, 9 and 4 overall. They won their Reliant Quest Bowl game against Illinois 19 to 10 when they were ranked 20th in the nation. They have since dropped out of the top 25. Both teams have a lot to prove in this one. I think it stays close. They're going to be at Mississippi, which usually gives the advantage, especially in betting lines, to the home team. But I think that they are going to be trying way too hard to make a statement for their home fans, and it's going to backfire in a close one. I think Southeastern stuns in Starkville. 27-17,
1: lying up. The alumni holds true to home, yet I must not go that direction. Um, This is going to be a sort of strange game because you had something that we don't see very often. You had, of course, the Pirate, Coach Mike Leach. He passed away uh, right before their bowl game last season. So Mississippi State has not had their chance to fully show out for the Pirate. And I think that they are going to take this opportunity – to uh lay anchor on the lions as much as i must say it um i'm gonna be a little bit heavy here and you're gonna have to you know tighten it tight get get ready hold on to something okay i think you're gonna see dogs 52
0: 10 ouch yeah that's
1: big for the nationally ranked fcs southeastern lions 52 10
0: Oh, that could almost be a season sinker right off the jump.
1: You you would have to think that, but you know, I'm I, you know, you don't name your source, but I I am quite good friends with a former Southeastern Lion and uh he's told me, you know, whenever those FCS boys they go up there and they play, you know, in these uh, you know, FBS games and you know, in this his case, I believe he went out to Oklahoma State a few years ago. Uh there's not a lot of you know hope sometimes, and it's understood that there could be a discrepancy. They're going to give it their all, but uh, I think they keep it close in the first quarter, and ultimately the air raid goes and does its job.
0: You know what? If, if Southeastern loses, I can accept it, but please don't let it be that <laughs> yeah. way. <Woo>. All right. <laughs> How mean, about that next one? There? Meanwhile, moving on, ULL, the Raging Cajuns hosting Northwestern State. UL finished six and seven overall last season, four and four in conference. They were four and two at home. Mm. That's a strong home record. Uh, senior quarterback Ben Woolridge, uh, he is a dead ringer for a young Jack Black. Yes, by indeed. the way, uh, he's looking to improve upon last season, where he threw for only sixteen hundred sixty-one yards, fifteen touchdowns, five picks. They beat Southeastern to start last season, twenty-four to seven. Three of their five regular season losses last year were by six points or less. Northwestern did not have the best year last year. Uh, they went four and seven overall. They had some really bad beats, including a 47 to nothing shutout by Montana. 47, 21 lost to Grambling 51 to 16 at Southern Miss 64 to 10 by Southern and a 66 to seven route by Incarnate Word. I don't think Northwestern has done enough this season to fix those problems. I don't think it's going to be as bad as 66-7. I see ULL big over Northwestern 44-10. I'm
1: going to echo that. Uh, Northwestern has sort of shaped their athletic program around their Olympic sports, be it basketball, baseball, things of these nature. Uh, Football has not yet caught up to what they're doing out there in Natchitoches. Uh, It's going to be a nice effort by them, but ULL takes it. I'm going 35-7.
0: 35-7, I like. All right. Moving on. Producer Brett warning. Tulane hosts South Alabama. Tulane is looking to pick up right where they left behind. We kind of talked about this earlier. 12 2 record, conference championship. The big come from behind win. They've got to do it without Ty J, who's going to be making his boot boot sports return. Coach Fritz decided to stick around. Is Tulane a one and done flash in the pan? Are they the real deal? South Alabama is poised to test the green wave. They finished second in Sunbelt B. They were impressive, 10-3 yeah. and three at the end of it all. They had a few definitive wins against La Tech, 38-14. to 14. Uh, Arkansas State, 31-3, to three, but the rest of their game's relatively close until they took a very definitive 44-23 to L against Western Kentucky in the New Orleans Bowl. Desmond Trotter taking the reins for the Jaguars, 15-20, 144 yards. We talked about all that earlier. I do think this one's going to be fun to watch. Oh, yeah. My prediction, Tulane... Thirty-one
1: twenty-four. So you think about South Alabama, sort of coming out of that Sun Belt Conference, right? You're going into Yulman. I believe it's a day game out there in uh, Metairie. I'll be kind. Metairie. Uh, shout out to locals. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait. They're playing at Yulman? They're playing. It's in New Orleans. It's in
0: New Orleans. That's not Metairie. That's, that's not Metairie.
1: I'm, I'm not going that to not gonna do that to y'all. That's Uptown New I'm not going to do that to y'all. I'm not going to do that to y'all. I like to make that joke amongst friends. I like to make that joke amongst friends. Rude. It's a little bit of a different crowd out there um, in uptown <laughs> New Orleans. But anyway, no. In, in all My serious. My
0: on Broadway is all I'm saying. There you Two go. Tulane, you know where you're at.
1: In all serious, no. Uh, look, this is going to be a fun one for Tulane. I think they're going to start the season out strong. Give it their best. And honestly, USA is going to keep it close. University of South Alabama. I'm going with uh, Tulane 3027.
0: Oh, that is close. Yeah. All right. I like it. We're not that far off. I said 3124, no, no. you said 3027. And the last one, the big one. We spent mm. some time talking about it. I don't think we need to, to beat the dead horse. LSU heads west, number five, to drink Florida State dry. Number eight uh, for now. Uh, it is the Camping World kickoff in Orlando. LSU only favored by two and a half. I gave my cut on this earlier. Chris, I'm, I still stand by. I mean, everything that I said. Coach Kelly is looking to take uh, that one from last season back and fix it. Um, we talked about the fact that uh, he's, he's keeping players, yeah. practicing longer, putting in extra work. Um, Chris, I apologize. Florida State's time in the top 10, it's not going to last long. LSU is coming to send a message. And Chris, I'm going to put a little wager out there, and the internet is forever. If I am wrong, and Florida State gets over on LSU, I will send you your favorite local king cake, your favorite local home brew, whatever tone of home you are missing, I will send your way. As a matter of fact, I might even have a couple of Dixie beers, not Fauburg, Dixie beers, that I could throw in there to sweeten the pot. But if I'm right, you got to send me a little bit of Florida's best, hey,
2: whatever that is. We go.
0: Um, P.S., I'm a rum guy. Just putting it out there. Tigers over Knowles, 2.5 points, not a chance, 38-20. So
1: before I give my final prediction, we want to give the opportunity for our resident other LSU superfan who maybe even supersedes me in many ways. The Tigers. Uh.
3: Producer Brett, are you ready for this week's prediction? Oh, I am well ready for this week's prediction, because I'm going to throw out the Brett 3 out there. The Brett so, 3. So, as most people know, the last college football sports game to be made is NCAA 2014, and per tradition, I predict every shoe game by simulating it with me as head coach. And... The first of the Brett three is the NCAA 2014 final score, that which was LSU 38 to Florida State 28. i go for two a lot. Ah. Now, (laughs) now, the second. You can't miss a kick if you never kick it. Exactly. There you go. Now, the second uh, Brett prediction is my brain's prediction, what I actually believe is going to happen. That which I think is going to be 27 to 14, LSU is going to step up. I don't see Florida State winning this one. Between what y'all mentioned with Brian Kelly having to right those wrongs, uh, Florida State's passing game, I don't think he's going to be able to get past LSU's defense. I see LSU 27-14 win. And then the last one, as I just mentioned, the defense is going to step up. The offense is going to step up. LSU, I was going to say by 50, but Donald mentioned 60 earlier, so I'm going to say LSU by 70. Whoa, (laughs) whoa. Boy, I tell you what, man, how hot is that seat right now?
1: <laughs> All-time records out there from producer Brett.
0: <laughs> Something tells 70? me we might hear that once or twice later happen. during the year. I um, like I like that he gave a video game simulation yes. and then the brain of Brett. Like, would not the brain of Brett be the one that governed the maybe, simulation? Maybe. I don't Computer know. Computer knows all. Who knows?
1: Um, well, that leaves me. And this week, I think... LH... By 80, right? Oh, well... Don't give it away too early.
0: My poor Chris is being very disrespected over there. I I
1: think LSU has put in the work this offseason. I think it is the start to, once again, a season to be remembered. Uh, It's a revenge on last season, no doubt. Although not publicly stated, no doubt. My take is going to be one that maybe some people don't necessarily see, but I think it is. I think you have LSU 44.
0: Florida State, thirty-eight. Wow, keeping it close. Okay, I like it. All right. So before we did predictions, I said we were going to go back through the predictions. You are going to have to pick out numbers from your predictions to help me draft my oh, my Powerball ticket. Boy, so these are based just on your predictions. Okay. Okay. So in uh, LaTeX SMU, you said forty-five twenty-eight. I need a pen.
1: <laughs> I have a pen for you. Okay.
0: So, am I picking 45 or 28 on my Powerball card?
1: Let's go with 45.
0: 45. All right. Southeastern Mississippi State, you said 52 to 10. That's big. Both of those numbers are on the Powerball lot. 52 or 10? 10. 10. I like it. Okay. Moving right along. UL, 35, seven over Northwestern. 35 or seven? Give me seven seven okay <laughs> we're coming back to this one Tulane, you said 30 to 27
1: I'm gonna take I'll take 27.
0: I knew you were gonna do that I kind of like the way this looks this might actually be a thing
1: it's all putting all coming together
0: and then Donald you said 44 to 38 LSU over Florida state 44 38 give me
1: 44.
0: I knew all right I love it 7 10 27 44 45 the Powerball is 17. Those sound like winners. Do I already have that one? Let me just see. No. no I okay,
1: don't. good. All right. Original ticket, original prediction.
0: Now, if every one of y'all goes out and we split this pot hundreds of ways, you can thank Donald yeah. <laughs> for your hundreds of dollars. Note the
1: incoming gambling disclaimer at the end of the show.
0: Correct. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we definitely should do that for this show, yeah, for sure.
1: Um.
0: All right. Did we miss anything? I know we've talked a lot. There yeah, a lot this is a this new
1: record, and, hey, football's back. Football I think that is, is the big takeaway today, and, wow, um, you got a top ten matchup.
0: It's going to be it's gonna be
1: All big. by itself.
0: We got a lot of football to watch. Holiday
1: weekend. weekend. I think uh, it's time for us to go and open up that cookbook there, find what we're making, and uh, we'll see all y'all yes, next week. Indeed.
0: Look, real quick, questions, comments, praise, or uh, praise for our correct predictions, mostly his or nanani boo-boos for being wrong mostly my way. You can uh, comment or email questions at bootsportsnetwork.com that's a direct email. Watch us interact on YouTube or take the audio only version of this podcast with you on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon Podcast or Amazon Music wherever you get your podcast. If that's all too much, remember bootsportsnetwork.com. bootsportsnetwork.com is your gateway to boots to balls and all things boot sports. Happy college game day and Labor Day recovery weekend. Why don't you pick dinner this time? I picked you know, let's char grilled oysters last time.
1: Let's see what goes well with Tiger Victory. Ooh,
0: crawfish rolls. About it.
1: There we go. Use them leftovers. I've been sitting in the freezer too long. How about that, guys? Have Bye, a good y'all. one. Boots to balls is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast does not render legal or financial advice. Remember to bet responsibly. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with
2: problem gambling, reach out to your local gambling helpline.